Hello and welcome to The Beat with Chris Brodomsky and Bennett Bogus. And today we're joined by Wyatt Griffith to talk about some Beatles albums. How's it going, Wyatt? I'm pretty good. How are you guys? We're, we're good. We're happy to have you. Wyatt's been on an episode before, so yeah, he knows what's going on. <laughs> so what we're going to be talking about today is the albums Please Please Me, which was made in 1963. We're, we're, we're going through Beatles up, um, up until 1965 with Rubber Soul. Mm-hmm. So, I'd say let's get right into it with Please Please Me. This is probably my favorite album by them, and this is their first album, which was huge. It was actually number one in the UK, and it was their first album. Yeah, it really kind of, like, put them on the map. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's a lot of fantastic songs in here, and a lot of underrated songs. I mean, I think everyone knows Twist yeah, and I t- Shout. I totally agree. But because there's songs that no one knows on the albums that are great, that mm-hmm. no one listens to. I was listening for the past week. I've been listening to all the songs and all the Beatles albums, and I've been finding so many, so many underrated songs. Some of them, "Misery," which I think is under two minutes, but it has a fantastic chorus. And then we've got "Anna," and that's fantastic. And that's a cover, actually. And that's kind of cool because it shows how, how like new they are. Because I think at least three or four of the songs on "Please Please Me" are covers. Yeah, that's cool. There's a lot of diversity on that album though, because you'll have songs like "Twist and Shout," but then you also have like songs like "Misery," mm-hmm. which are really just kind of different. Kind of yeah, because you know they ran from like their their pop hits, like "Twist and Shout" obviously was one of those, and then they kind of could show their more lyrical stuff and uh, kind of more like deep stuff with songs like that (laughs) exactly and one of the things i pointed out i kind of noticed while looking at who sang lead in all these songs it was basically everyone all four members of the band sang so we've got paul mccartney singing i saw you standing there ringo star singing boys which is a fantastic song and that really just kind of set the set what would be for like their entire like duration because it, all of them were such great musicians and even though most of them were composed by Lennon and McCartney they all contributed yeah we've got songs uh, sang by George Harrison like Do You Want No Secret and then John Lennon with that iconic screaming and twist and shell it's <laughs> great yeah but I do think it's really cool that all of them uh, like you were saying Chris that all of them just had so much talent and they really let everyone know that with their first album which was yeah. a great time to do it because you know they were new, people were hearing them, and like when they heard, I guess, all this news about how much each of them could do, it just kind of was like, this is mm-hmm. this is the new band, this is cool. And mm-hmm. in 1945, they, uh, like... 1945? Yeah, this is before, like, they released an album. They started playing at, like, Hamburg. And in Hamburg, they would play, like... 45? Because I don't think that they were... I know that uh, no, they were playing. They were playing shows like not as the Beatles, but as like the Silver Beatles. I think John Lennon oh, was mean, sixteen and like in like. Oh, yeah, that might have been the like the age of the Quarrymen. Yeah, they they were playing together though, and they would play like sixteen like hour shows because they get cool. there at like two in the morning and yeah. play until like Dang. eight at wow. night. I think that's cool because that's kind of just like a you show up with your instrument yeah. and your voice and you kind of just and a like, big jam session. It said that they played like whatever, like they played everything. They played jazz. They played mm-hmm. so much, but because they did that and they did that for like a year it just really helped them hone their skills yeah i think definitely with time and you know the beatles like obviously 
know each other and know how they can play and know it like so just seeing them like all together like just jamming would be so cool and yeah. seeing them progress as a as a group have either of you guys seen the film somewhat recent i think it was in the 2000s called no way boy uh not, not it is I. basically a recreation of like the beatles younger use and how it showed them in the koi boys with koi men and so and that was their first band and that didn't have Ringo and Paul was brought on later and with Paul was brought um, uh, George George definitely yeah and I, it said that like from what I've heard like they uh, they were just literally just would play anything with any drummer that they could find because they were three guitarists and uh, obviously I think George was the younger of them so they, he kind of gradually got put in um, even though they at first thought that he was kind of like too young I guess mm-hmm. and then they just grab any drummer they could off like just from anywhere. Yeah, and Paul originally didn't play bass. They had three acoustic guitars. Right, right. That's, yeah. So, we've spent a little bit too much time, even if we viewed off Please Please Me. So, in the same year, they released With the Beatles, which was a number one hit in the UK and Germany in 1963. Uh, I think this is a, a, another really great album. But if we're talking about kind of songs, I think I want to steer it towards I Want to Be Your Man. Yeah. I want to view a man is probably, uh, besides maybe all my loving, the most famous song in the album. Yeah. This song was. I mean, this album came out. I believe it was December of nineteen sixty three, and please please me was. I want to say July, so these. Yeah, yeah. So these albums are coming out, and they say like you know to be famous and whether it be anything like music or videos but consistency and you know Definitely. going fast so two albums two hit albums two number one albums in the same year yeah i that's do think that that's insane so cool. that, that like and this is how music was when they released it but like you know they they'd be so into it especially these like a new band kind of like uh you know like the beatles they were i guess newly popular and they just find any time that they could to be making this music, and they come up with a new album twice in a year, like th- in this case, or every every year. And yeah, it's amazing how prolific that. they are, right. because yeah. they come out with, a, and these are both decently sized albums, and even Definitely. if it only takes like five hours to like, create a single song, that's a ton of time that they put into creating. Yeah, it really, is, you can see the passion. And what Wyatt was saying about the passion just then, it's so it's so fun because with Twist and Shout on Please Please Me and also with the Beatles, Paul Paul McCartney and John Lennon had so much fun recording these and they sat down together yeah. and it's such a shame that later on in the uh, in the late sixties and I mean around sixty eight, sixty nine, they just started despising each other. You know, it was yeah. something that Lennon said is that like the the rivalry was actually kind of what they needed in the band. Because they both push each other to do better and better mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, and it gave. I mean, obviously, them both getting along really well and agreeing on stuff is also would also uh, push like great work. Obviously, from you can see that from their albums. But mm-hmm. but I do think that like as time went on, they needed something more and something more to kind of progress, and that kind of helped uh, carry that on. Mm-hmm. And with this album, a lot of people thought that the early albums were just you know. Uh, you know John and Paul going at it but one of the great unappreciated songs on this album is Don't Bother Me and it was completely made by George Harrison he wrote this completely on his own 
And I was reading about this, and it's extremely impressive how he just came up with this stuff on his own, so it shows how talented each and every member of the Beatles is. Yeah, it's a reiteration of what we were saying before, like how, especially these earlier albums, it was really important for their fans to like see how much talent each one of them had, and it really... It really like was just insane just to try to think about how early on like this kind of music was and and just how like a group could be this yeah. skillful and all be in one group together like not, yeah. it's pretty crazy. Um, up next we have A Hard Day's Night, which was an album made for a movie titled A Hard Day's Night, which featured the Beatles. And this was in nineteen sixty four around I'd say around August or July or something like that. But uh, this also was number one in the UK, Germany, Australia, and in the US. Yeah, my my favorite song from this album is the one that's like named after a hard day's night. I really mm-hmm. remember that listening to that song when I was, I think it was ten, and I enjoyed it then, and I enjoy it now. Have either of you guys seen the movie? I I haven't. Have you seen it? Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I haven't, I haven't either. It's you can look it up on YouTube, and I, you know, anyone should do it. It's. I mean, it's it's one of the best movies. It's phenomenal, and it's it shows their humor. The Beatles, so that kind of. So this kinda, is Bennett Boggis recommending a hard day's night. <laughs> as, as it's it's stunning. I mean, I don't want to. It's basically it follows them and the whole Beatlemania thing. How the opening shot is them running down a street and like, I think they hired. I don't even say hired. They probably said, "Hey, you want to act?" And they already love the Beatles. So it's them being chased by like. 300 fans and it could have just been recorded right there yeah i've yeah. seen this like, i've seen this opening scene it's yeah. it's pretty crazy to see all these people just chasing after the beatles that's nope. pretty funny because george actually trips and it wasn't oh, it wasn't like a joke he falls and then he trips up ringo and they fall in like john's looking back and the whole entire time paul is reading a magazine with like a fake mustache on <laughs> so it's really it shows their humor in the opening scene like the opening 10 minutes is fantastic but this isn't a review on the movie. This is a review on the album. So, as uh, you were saying, Hard Day's Night. Yeah. That's fantastic. That's kind of more of their um, kind of pop sort of music. But that's fantastic. And then there's songs like Tell Me Why and I Should Have Known Better that kind of keep up that really fast-paced um, pop rock Yeah, thought that everybody vibe. was loving. Yeah. Um, and I think that this album... Uh, just kind of like obviously they were growing in popularity and that was just kind of like overwhelming them and everything but I think this album is where they kind of took that on and started going with that Mm -hmm. popularity just knowing that that was going to be a thing that kept going yeah and what other other what other band can say that their third album and they're already one of the most popular bands in the world if not the yeah the and also they're making movies very successful movies because the Beatles like they're so iconic of like the 60s Mm-hmm. I mean, they, yeah. yeah, they defined the '60s. Yeah. I'd say. I I mean, even just I know this topic has probably come up so so many times, but to think about what they what music would be today without them is not even like yeah you can't even begin yeah because they influence the way that they yeah like pop and rock and everything and so anyways the next the next album was Beatles for Sale, which came out in. 1964. So again, the same year as a hard day's night. And also, this album was number one in the UK, number one in Germany, number one in Australia, and number one in the United States. Yeah. So, fantastic. 
And actually, one thing I wanted to say here was I mentioned number one in the U.S. This is interesting because the album didn't come out in the U.S. until 1967, three years later. So what happened was they released this album called um, Beatles 65, like Beatles 1965, and included eight songs from Beatles for Sale and I think some other ones from previous albums. And that actually spent nine weeks at number one. That's, that's great. A song, a song from Beals for Sale that I think we should mention is Eight Days a Week. Yeah, that's definitely the most famous song from the album, and it's deservedly so. It's yeah. fantastic. Um, around this time in Russia, they actually banned Beatles music altogether. They put a ban on Beatles music. Why is that? Because it was just not with like the communist ideal. They were seen as like yeah. a capitalist thing. But the people still wanted to listen to Beatles music. What they do is they take old x-rays like the the x-rays mm-hmm. and it either from the dumpster or they'd buy them from the doctors and they'd like strip them and like impress like the the record to it so that they could <laughs> be played as like makeshift uh vinyl if that's not the embodiment of Beatlemania, i don't know what <laughs> it is because that's insane but some of the songs that uh because the songs obviously or this album is known for Eight Days a Week and Everybody's Trying to Be My Baby. But one song that I found while listening to it that I really enjoyed is No Reply. I believe mm-hmm. it's a it's a bit of a slow song. But Beatles for Sale is actually probably, I wouldn't say one of my least favorite, but so many other Beatles albums are so good. This one's yeah. kind of at the bottom for me. But Eight Days a Week is one of my favorite songs. That's a fantastic song. Yeah, it's, it's, just... ki- it's kind of funny how they nod with the album title, how they've like realized that they're now becoming like an item mm-hmm. that they're commercialized. Really, like you're buying them when you buy. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of like what I was saying that they kind of accepted that and like went with it rather than kind of trying to fight it. Um, yeah. Which is cool that they could be able to do that, make that change. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And then the next year, because that album was released in December of 1964, we have Help in 1965. Mm-hmm. Don't this the is, exclamation point. Yeah, oh, that's what I that. tried to. I, I tried to. <laughs> so that's the fifth album, number one in the U.S., the U.K., Germany, and Australia. So another huge album. And this one was all along with the film as well. Yes, so, a film yeah. called Help. And mm-hmm. the film, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, it's it's a very good film. It's kind of a James Bond-esque thing. A lot more story behind it. I'll just go over a brief, brief synopsis. This is another recommendation, so if you want to... Oh yes, this is Bennett Boggess recommending Help. <laughs> <laughs> so, this movie is, and this is just from memory, it's about Ringo Starr, and he gets sent a ring uh, as fan mail and he can't get the ring off and I watched it a while ago actually and it, there's some meaning behind the ring and it's like sacrificial and this like dark lord thing wants to get it back and so it's really creative and so they go through all this stuff about trying to um, you know make his, fing- his finger smaller and make the ring expand and like use all these tools and so it kind of I'd say it aptly fits help because it's a very chaotic yes. movie. In one of the scenes, somebody has a syringe which is going to shrink Ringo's finger, but then someone crashes into a house and he, <laughs> she, I don't know, I just broke in the chair. But <laughs> she uh, she drops the uh, the syringe and it lands on Paul's leg 
and he he shrinks to oh like goodness. a very small size and hides on like a. Uh, songs songs from this one are the the namesake of the album Help, but also Yesterday, and Yesterday I it's one of my favorite songs by them. It's it kind of shows their their slow and their just their diversity in a band. But a, a fun fact is that it was actually originally called Scrambled Eggs. The album? <laughs> no, 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 that Yesterday. Wow. That was gonna be the title for Yesterday. Do you know why? I don't know. I don't know how it would have gone. Maybe it would have been like scrambled eggs. That's just weird. To be honest, I don't know. You got to like question that in every way. Mm -hmm. And uh, one underappreciated and recommended song from this album that I listened to is "The Night Before." So another Bennett Boggess recommendation: "The Night Before." Listen to it. It's a fantastic song. Mm -hmm. So since we're going to be stopping. Um, after Rebel Soul, we're going to be stopping at Revolver. Rebel Soul, last album we're going to be talking about, and we'll be coming out with a new episode released in 1965. Again, the same year as Help. Yeah, this is like December of 1965. Yeah, so they're on a roll. So Rebel Soul 1965 is their sixth album, and once again, a number one hit in UK, Germany, US, Australia. So they're huge at this point. Mm. Yeah. And this is when they started getting uh, critical acclaim. Like, they kind of started to mature as a band, and this is kind of when they started to be seen as more of a mature uh, group by yeah, and critics and everything. Off of that, the whole maturity thing, um, one thing I did want to talk about, Paul McCartney, this has some of his best bass work in out of all Beatles albums. I mean, there's songs like um, Drive My Car, which is the first song on the album, and The Word. Both both underappreciated songs, and if you listen to the bass, they're absolutely phenomenal. So, this is kind of an album of maturity and showing how good just with instruments they are. I mean, the vocals are fantastic. It gets slow at points, but then they pick it right back up, and there's songs like, as I just said, like The Word, which are kind of fast-paced, and there's songs like I believe it's um, Girl, which kind of slow it down a bit. So there's all these different songs. This yeah. is a fantastic album. It, it, mm-hmm. If I was to pick a song, it'd be The Word. Mm-hmm. The Word from that album is really... Yeah. They really, I mean, and each of them had so much to say about this album, too, especially from now looking back on it. And uh, I think actually Paul McCartney said that he had this quote from it. He said, we had our cue period, and uh, now it's time to expand. So I think that oh, this wow. album, yeah, he like kind of... He kind of admitted that they were kind of in it for, like the like the pop hits and and mostly for that because they started to see how much like you know all the girls were liking their music and coming to their shows and everything, and now they were like really just getting I guess so much into the music. Um, and then I think also, uh, Lennon and McCarthy's uh, they're like writing together just really was really really good in this album and compared to other ones mm-hmm. and they both. And sadly, this was yeah. one of the. Uh, I wouldn't say the last album, but this was one of the albums that kind of, after this, yeah, I they think didn't this, write much together. Would you say that this was, like, the climax of, like, where the Beatles would go, or, like, or like John Lennon and McCartney's relationship as as a whole? Wyatt, I'll direct that to you. Sorry, can you repeat that real quick? Would you say that the this album, uh, Rubber Soul, kind of, sh- the climax of, like, the Beatles, it, not necessarily in popularity, but in terms of, like, music or... Uh, even John Lennon and Paul McCartney's relationship. I do think that this album, uh, they both have said that you know that they really 
thought that they worked really well together on this album. And I do think that this is when they kind of started to uh, kind of push the scene of what was going on in the world to the side and just focus on the hard, cold music that they were making that was phenomenal. Yeah, let's not forget that the Rolling Stones are in this time period and the Vietnam War is going on. In the Rolling Stones, they made... um, what is it? Uh, Beggar's Banquet. That entire album is loosely themed around the Vietnam War. And so you see the Beatles completely not talking about what's going on, the outside influences, but focusing on just that creative mindset that they have and what they come up with. Yeah, and they could have been viewing it as where everybody was so focused on this and they probably weren't expecting such great music from them. And then they just kind of just threw it in their face and it was just insane. Yeah. And it was just kind of a distraction from everything that was going on. Yeah, the Beatles, they, they keep delivering. And this is 1963, 1964, and 1965 both had double releases. One in the summer and then I one mean, in December. Yeah, they're just insane. Yeah, insane. not only great songs, but consistent and fast and right to them. And they're almost all number one hits in all the major countries. And you see like artists today, and I'm going to give an example, such as the Killers coming out with an album every four years, like that's what they've been doing for the past for the past while, uh, and it's just kind of like it's just kind of crazy to compare that to how like how many songs and albums the Beatles are bringing out just during these just couple of years, and mm-hmm. it's just crazy to think that like I guess I guess some bands today are probably like taking their time, you know, they're they're coming out with an album, they're enjoying the success it's having, but I think the Beatles obviously could have done that too. I mean, they're probably making like tons of money and they could have just like sat back and just watched their success but they kept writing they kept doing things and they didn't stop and it's yeah and their uh, their efforts showed mm-hmm. i mean this is not only i mean in my opinion they are the most influential band and definitely my favorite band of all time and so i mean they they only went from 1963 stopping with what was their last album? Let it be. Mm-hmm. Seventy. Yeah, I think so. In seventy, and then they officially, or well, Magical Mystery Tour. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Magical Mystery Tour in um, what is that? Seventy. Oh, seventy. Well, officially ending with Let It Be in I think it was nineteen seventy one or nineteen. Yeah, nineteen seventy. Yeah. So, over seven years, they made this much of an impact. Yeah. Seven crazy. years, and that's. That's insane. I think it's partially due to how iconic they were for that time. Because if someone tells you name, tell me one of the bands from the '60s that you're gonna first, just that's talk the about first the Beatles. Because mm-hmm. you have other bands that are late '60s bands like Cream, and they were coming out with like their own stuff. You have bands like that that were uh, yeah. kind of showing what they could do. But just when you think of '60s and, I mean, really in any time period, if you like, just if any band were were as good and as like uh, I guess efficient as the Beatles were at coming out mm-hmm. with great music in any decade, you just can't compare it to the sixties yeah. with them because really there, it's, there's no band that has filled that for for the seventies, eighties, nineties today. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing, there's no band that has even come close. To so, that, so yeah, that was the end of Rubber Soul. And then just to wrap this up, I have one question for you too. Is it capital the Beatles or lowercase the Beatles? Because this has been a debate. For so long. This is a Wait, debate. It's a debate. I didn't know that this was even a in, thing. In in international like grammar, they no one knows whether it's just Beatles or the Beatles, and whether the the should be capitalized. I think it's the Beatles, and it's a capital T because I mean we see it on Yellow Submarine. 
<laughs> but then yeah. you also it's see it on... Album. And then yeah. the White Album. Don't we see it on the White Album? Uh, it doesn't say or the Beatles. Or that just Beatles on I'm pretty sure. It might yeah. just say Beatles. Oh, really? It might. I think, I think it says the Beatles. But yeah, it does say the Beatles. Wait, where? Oh, well, yeah. But then but on, on the Sgt. Album Pepper's cover. Lonely Hearts, it just says Beatles. Well, I think that that's a little... I mean... I mean, in that album, they're pretending to be another band. I mean, everything about that album is just out of whack. Fantastic. So, it fa- definitely fantastic. I think that's... Rolling Stone rated that album, number one album of all time. And I do wow. agree with that. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah. Over, you know, over any of Bob Dylan stuff, any of that, it's definitely... Yeah, well, took that number thanks, one spot. Thanks, for, thanks for coming on. Thank you guys today, for having Ryan. me. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. You know I like you guys a lot and all this Thank you. conversation. Yeah. So it was, it was really great to have you here. And so thanks for listening. Um, after this, we will be going from Revolver, I believe, all the way through. Yeah, all the way through. That's, that's going to be our next episode. Uh, the Beat is produced by Bennett Bogus and Christopher Godomsky, with special thanks to Joe Conway and James Jackson. Uh, please, if you like the show, rate it, subscribe, share it to all your friends. Retweet it. Retweet it. That's something that you should definitely <laughs> do. And subscribe on iTunes. We're on iTunes, and if you search The Beat, Conversations About Music will be the first thing that comes up. So thanks for listening, and see you next week. See you.